0: The Trump election lawsuits could be headed for the Supreme Court and if they make it to the Supreme Court, if the court decides to hear them out, they are going to have a brand new lawyer giving the oral arguments. That very high level lawyer would be Senator Ted Cruz.
2: In Pennsylvania, this appeal to the Supreme Court raises very serious issues. It raises pure issues of law and, and, and I believe the Supreme Court should choose to take the case. I think they should hear the appeal. And, as you noted, the the legal team uh, reached out and asked if I would be willing to, to present the oral argument if the court took the case, and I told them I'd be happy to, uh, because particularly at a time when this country is so divided, when, when people are so angry, I think we need a sense of resolution, and, and we need the Supreme Court to step in and ensure, that we're following the Constitution and following the law. Right, right now, it, it's not healthy for our democracy what we're seeing. And, and in Pennsylvania, the problem was made worse because the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is a partisan democratic court that has issued multiple decisions that, that, that were just on their face contrary to law. And that, that's not how elections are supposed to work.
0: It all comes down to this. At least in Pennsylvania, the law is very clearly on Trump's side. But there are many other arguments involving other states. Of course, this was the way the 2020 election had to end. Of course, this is the way the year 2020 had to end. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday from Sean. Why are people calling Biden the president elect when Greenland hasn't even reported their results yet? This is a great question. Everyone's been talking about, oh, we're going to make Puerto Rico a state. Oh, we're going to make Washington DC a state. I have said it from the beginning. We need to make Greenland a state. Some people are suggesting we could buy Greenland from Denmark. We could annex it in that way. I think there was a real missed opportunity when John Bolton was the national security advisor. This is one area where I am totally in line with the Bush era neocons. We needed shock and awe in Greenland. We would have been greeted as liberators. And now we would have all of those electoral votes for President Trump. I assume, I don't know. I don't know very much about Greenland. Uh, That would have been the way, not just to ensure the security of America around the world, but to ensure the security of our election, which a lot of it is coming down to questions about these voting machines. Very difficult to keep your data secure. Very important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. This holiday season, you could miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit and bank statements. That's why you need to get a LifeLock. LifeLock is the leader in identity theft protection. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats, such as your security, social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information being used in their network, they will send you an alert. If you become a victim of identity theft, LifeLock can help restore your identity easier than what you can do on your own. I used to think nobody cares about my data. No, that's just for other people. It's not true. It's not true. And when you see people deal with identity theft, it can be truly uh, upending of, of people's lives. No one can monitor and prevent rather, all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can help you feel warm and protected this holiday season. Save up to 25% off your first year by going to lifelock.com slash Knowles, that is lifelock.com slash Knowles for 25% off. This would be a big deal. If the Supreme Court agrees to hear the Pennsylvania election challenge, which we should know very soon because initially it looked like the Supreme Court was not willing to hear this case out before the deadline to determine where the electors were going to go in Pennsylvania. Then Justice Sam Alito moved that deadline up to today. So we will know very shortly whether or not the Supreme Court is going to deal with this case. If they do hear this case out, you're going to have Ted Cruz give the oral arguments. A lot of people forget, but before Ted Cruz was a senator, before he ran for president, his job was arguing cases before the Supreme Court. He was a very skilled, very successful Supreme Court litigator. And, and so this would be the, the strongest way, I think, to, to go in and present this case. Does that mean that it'll flip the election? Not necessarily, but as, as I have said from the very beginning, when one group of people said Trump is definitely going to win, and another group of people said Trump needs to concede right now before the legal process plays out. There is a constitutional process here. There is a legal process here. President Trump should pursue that every single step he can. He should pursue it right up until the final deadline when the electors vote, and we, we know who the next president is going to be. And we shouldn't give up before it's over, because here at the very last moment, there are some big plays going on, that leave a little glimmer of hope. Hope springs eternal in the human breast. You've got Senator Cruz discussing Pennsylvania. I I have to wonder, by the way, if the reason that the legal team asked Senator Cruz to present the oral arguments has something to do with the fact that we dedicated our recent verdict episode to the legal arguments in Pennsylvania and Senator Cruz laid out the entire legal case. I don't know. I I don't wanna say that they listened to the podcast, but the timing is coincidental and I'm very pleased to hear that. In addition, you've got questions about Michigan. You've got questions about Arizona. You've got questions, certainly, about Georgia. Sidney Powell, who is now best known as the Kraken releaser, uh, you know, she is not affiliated directly with the Trump legal team. The White House took efforts to distance themselves from her. A lot of people in the administration have suggested her claims are sort of far-fetched and that they've they've pursued a different legal strategy. Sidney Powell, however, is still sticking to her guns she went on television last night to insist that Michigan and Arizona should also be going to the Supreme Court as well. We also have a case out of Michigan that needs to go, a case out of Arizona that may very well wind up there. There should be at least three states before the Supreme Court with enough electoral votes to change the outcome before the end of the week. Now, when people saw this last night, I think a lot of them thought, uh, this doesn't sound so real. We've been waiting on the Kraken for a few weeks now. We haven't gotten the Kraken. Things aren't looking so good. These states probably aren't going to the Supreme Court. Well, coincidentally, we've just gotten breaking news in the last 20 minutes that uh, Texas, the state of Texas is going to be suing Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Why why is this one state suing all of these other states? Because Texas is alleging, and I think we all know this to be true, that the states had bizarre and irregular election practices, many of which were unconstitutional, many of which were passed from judicial benches or from random election officials or through executive orders rather than through the legislatures. In the case of Pennsylvania, just violated the constitution outright. And so what Texas is saying is this this violates the electors clause and it violates the equal protection clause of the constitution. You can't have these states all messing around with how they're conducting the elections and not playing by the rules and then have the other states playing by the rules and then have all of that counted equally in an election. That's broadly what Texas is saying. What does this mean? It means that they're suing in the Supreme Court. They don't when a, when a state sues another state There is original jurisdiction in the Supreme Court because you can't have a a state isn't going to sue another state in a district court, a court of appeals. It's going to go all the way up to the Supreme Court. Will the Supreme Court care about this argument? I'm not so sure. But this is what it all comes down to. When everyone's been telling you, wait, let the process play out. The process is playing out right now. I mean, things are changing every single minute. And uh, that's why patience is a virtue. Courage is a virtue. And we will know very shortly how this election is going to turn out. So I'm very pleased that the Trump legal team is pursuing every option they've got. However, there's a very good chance that the courts do not give this election to President Trump. So what then? The Trump administration is doing everything they can to make it very difficult for Joe Biden to reverse the accomplishments of the last four years. Very prudent, very wise. Don't put all your eggs in the basket of the Supreme Court. You will often be disappointed. Don't put all your eggs in the basket of we're going to get a second term. You've got to take precautions in case, as it seems, there's a very good chance Joe Biden becomes the president. So number one up on the docket, President Trump has signed an executive order to make sure that Americans get the coronavirus vaccine first. This, This seems obvious, right? Who, what American politician, In the midst of this unprecedented, well, it's an unprecedented lockdown. I don't know if you could call it an unprecedented pandemic, but it's an unprecedented lockdown. What American president would say, okay, we're going to pay to develop the vaccine. We're going to lead the world fight on developing the vaccine. And then we're going to give it to other people before every American gets it. What American politician would say that? Democrats, that's who. Because the Biden plan on the vaccine is that some Americans are going to get the vaccine And then they're going to give it away to the rest of the world. And then maybe some other Americans will get it later. President Trump says absolutely not. So this executive order uh, says that other countries may request shipments of the vaccine only after the quote needs of the American people have been met. This according to a White House official. There are some minor exceptions to this rule because we've got deals with Canada and things like that. But as a generally speaking, Americans, according to this executive order, will get the vaccine first, and then the rest of the world can get it. Now, you might say, if if Joe Biden becomes president, that executive order won't mean very much because he can just rip up the executive order. Sometimes that's true, sometimes it isn't. President Trump is still not permitted to rescind some of Barack Obama's executive orders, but as we all know, the left plays by different rules than the right does. So Joe Biden could just rip up the executive order, right? I suppose he could, but then he has to answer politically for why he is prioritizing the health of the rest of the world over that of Americans. Conservatives have always been a little skeptical about the experts' claims about this virus and the need for the lockdowns and everything about that. But the left has not. Democrats have said this thing is going to kill you. Don't go outside. Don't breathe. Don't see your family. Wrap yourself in a bubble. So then that Democratic president is going to go, have to go back and say, hey, we're not going to let Americans get this first. That's going to be very difficult. And and there are a lot of actions that President Trump can take right now, in case Biden does become president, to make it very difficult for him to roll back what the, the Trump administration has accomplished. It's good to be aggressive, it's good to be ambitious, it's good to be courageous and play this thing out in court. It's also very good to be prepared for the worst. And you know, now is a better time than ever to be prepared with long term nutritional food options from ReadyWise. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. Order online, get nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple, makes it affordable. It's so easy. When preparing ReadyWise meals, all you need is four cups of water. The water doesn't even need to be hot. You simply pour the food into water, stir, and cover. After about 15 minutes, the meal is ready. Some meals can even be prepared directly in the pouch, which means you don't need additional supplies. This is peace of mind is what you're ordering here. I don't think anybody after this year can say, oh, no worries, nothing will ever go wrong. There's no problem. It's okay it's uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure here. Okay. You don't want to be in a position where you don't have food when resources are strained. This week, my listeners can get free shipping at readywise.com when entering Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S at checkout or by calling 855-453-2945. ReadyWise has a 90 day, no questions asked return policy. There is no risk taking the initiative to get yourself and your family prepared today. ReadyWise, uh, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com, promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S to get free shipping. Great executive order from Trump. Another thing that Trump is doing, which is, some people might view it as the opposite of saving lives. I don't view it this way, but uh, while he's trying to make sure Americans get this vaccine, he's also ramping up executions for people on death row, which I think is actually an important way to save lives, but it's a little bit indirect because you're saving lives by by killing criminals who, who have been sentenced to death. If the updated schedule of the executions is carried off. President Trump would become the most prolific execution president in over 130 years. I think this is a very good thing. I know there is disagreement. The left is very anti-death penalty. Even many conservatives are anti-death penalty. I am not anti-death penalty. I think the death penalty is very misunderstood I think it's very important as a matter of justice, I think as our conceptions of justice in this country are completely distorted and perverted, and we replace real justice with a sort of liberal bastardization of social justice, I think it's important in a country that is a free country and has law and order that we have justice all the way up to including capital punishment. That is because there is a deterrent effect of capital punishment. It's not a very strong effect right now because people languish on death row for 30 years. That's one of the problems Trump is trying to fix. Uh, there is a, a retributive aspect of capital punishment, which is the purpose that is the primary purpose of criminal justice. The primary purpose is not rehabilitation, the primary purpose is not deterrence, it is retribution because someone has committed a crime. That's why it's called justice. That's why it's not called criminal rehabilitation system or criminal deterrence system. It's called the criminal justice system. Give people what they deserve. There's mercy as well. We have a pardon power, but there's also justice. We can't have only mercy. We can't have only justice without any mercy, but we need the justice component too. And there's a rehabilitative component because hanging concentrates the mind very well some people are calling for these executions to be put off. Nobody's allowed to kill the people on death row. All these poor people, they committed a crime so long ago. Oh, it's They made a mistake. Let them off the hook. You notice that the people who are calling for these executions to be descheduled and for these criminals to be pardoned, they never talk about the specifics. When they do talk about specifics, they say, he was so young. He was 18 when he committed the crime. Or he's black, or she's black, and so because they're they have this particular race, you can't. It's bad to execute them, or something. They never talk about the crimes. Very quickly, Bernard Brandon Bernard. This is an execution scheduled for Thursday. The left is in overdrive trying to get this execution descheduled. We actually mentioned Brandon Bernard some months ago on the show. Bernard killed two youth ministers, Todd and Stacy Bagley in Killen, Texas in 1999. He asked them for a ride. He was hitchhiking. These two youth ministers, out of the goodness of their heart, pull over, give him a ride. He then uh, takes out a gun. He holds them captive. He uh, beats them. He throws them in the trunk of their own car. He then drives them around for a very long time as he's spending their money trying to purchase things, selling their possessions as they are pleading for their lives, they're reading him scripture. He then shoots them both, but he doesn't end up killing the woman. So then he sets the trunk of the car on fire and burns her alive. It was so long ago though, right? Come on, he was young. You know, we all make mistakes, Okay, we all kidnap our benefactors, rob them, torture them for hours, shoot them and burn them alive, right? We all do, we all make that mistake come on, what kind of a just country would execute that man? Uh, I think Asia, any just country would execute that man. And a country that has no sense of justice would deschedule that execution. Alfred Bourgeois tortured and killed his two-year-old daughter, whom he regularly abused physically and sexually. He killed her because uh, he uh, had a brief uh, moment of custody when his, his, the mother of this daughter lost custody. Uh, just a very brief time, Uh, He killed her because she tipped over her potty training chair in his flatbed truck. So he slammed her head into a truck window, killed her. Oh, we have, come on, it was so long ago. Come on, what kind of a just country would kill that man? Any just country. Corey Johnson murdered seven people, seven people uh, spurred uh, into this crime because he wanted to further his drug trafficking operation. He ended up killing his intended victims, family members, and acquaintances too. So it wasn't even just other people involved in the drug trafficking ring, customers who didn't pay, which were some of his victims, or other rival drug traffickers. It wasn't even just them. It was also family members and acquaintances. Oh no, he only killed seven people. He only ended seven lives. Come on. We, we would be so awful if we if we killed him. Dustin John Higgs kidnapped and murdered three women. This was premeditated, this was in cold blood. And finally, Lisa Montgomery, who strangled a pregnant woman to death. You might remember this story. It's very famous at the time, Bobby Joe Stinnett. Uh, she strangled a pregnant woman to death, cut open her body, kidnapped her baby. But that was so long ago, right? That's part of the problem. That's part of the problem. It, 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 this has gone on too long. Frankly, I think that I don't think that the capital punishment by any measure, could be called cruel and unusual punishment. It's it's never been unusual in the entire history of the world. And it's not particularly cruel compared to, say, life in prison. I think that is, as a historical fact, that is unusual. And I think that is cruel. Part of the reason that we have lost our sense of justice here is because we've gone from being a Christian culture to being a materialist culture. So we now believe that the worst thing that can possibly happen to someone is physical death because we have no sense of uh, the spirit of the soul of the eternal m- moral order so now we just think it's all about flesh and meat and the minute you die it's the worst thing that could possibly happen i don't think that's necessarily true i think there are things worse than physical death and it's i think it's very important that president trump continue on his path and ramp up these executions if these people languish on death row too long the answer to that is not to pardon all of them it's to kill them faster this is a you see you see the defenses of capital punishment not just in scripture not just in moral philosophy but we know them intuitively that this is not a demand for revenge we're not saying vigilantes should go out and kill their enemies the state has a role in exacting justice And it ain't just giving out parking tickets. It goes all the way up. Good stuff from President Trump. Because, by the way, if these are delayed in any way, and if Biden does become president, then he's going to have to deschedule these. He's going to have to explain why these monsters should be pardoned, why these monsters should not receive their just punishment. He's going to have to explain that to the victims and the victims, I guess not the victims, but to the victims' families. Something else going on right now. If Joe Biden becomes president, as he seems certain that he will, even though the Supreme Court has not heard these cases yet, he has announced that he wants uh, someone named Xavier Becerra to be the uh, director of health or the secretary of health and human services. For those who don't know, because I was just living in la-la land, uh, Becerra is the attorney general for California. Becerra is one of the worst elected officials in the entire country. His career has been spent attacking pro-life people. It, it, been attacking friends of mine, uh, David Daleiden, who is who was attacked because he exposed the fact that Planned Parenthood sells baby body parts on the open market. He was attacked actually not just by Becerra, but, but by Kamala Harris as well, who could be the vice president. Uh, he, his, he's fanatically opposed to unborn babies. He he is fanatically in favor of abortion. He's an unacceptable nominee if, if there is a Biden presidency. His nomination is completely unacceptable. Tom Cotton made this point. He said that he should be rejected by the Senate. I'll do Cotton one better. All Republicans in the Senate should vote against Becerra if there's a Biden administration and he's nominated. Any Republican that does not vote against Becerra should be primaried and removed from office the candidate is completely unacceptable. When I pointed this out yesterday on social media, someone responded to me and said, Michael, that's so hypocritical. I said, how's that hypocritical? He says, because this is the kind of thing Democrats did to Trump. They held up Trump's nominees for certain positions. And so we can't then, if, if we didn't like that, then we can't go ahead and hold up Democrat nominees for, for certain positions. I think people misunderstand what hypocrisy means it is good to stop bad Democratic nominations. It is bad to stop good Republican nominations. Republicans and Democrats are different. They have a different vision of the country. I think some people are, are holding themselves over from decades ago when Republicans and Democrats usually weren't all that different when there was a great similarity and they weren't particularly conservative. It's a holdover from this, this old now, I think dead idea that all of politics is just about procedure. For instance, we can't stop drag queen story hour. We can't stop people from twerking in front of four-year-olds in their classrooms or libraries, because if we tell them they can't do that, they might tell us we can't go to church they might tell us we can't watch Monday night football. I don't, if we don't allow them to, to have whatever sort of institution or association they want, they might tell us we can't have whatever institution or association we want. No, <laughs> no, that the founding fathers are rolling over in their graves hearing that idea. They're not all the same. The getting back to our point on the death penalty or getting back to the federalist papers, James Madison, the end of government is justice the end of government is not letting people do whatever they want all the time. The end of government is justice. Well, how do we define justice? Using our brains, that's how we define justice. (laughs) Using the moral order and our moral intuitions and our faculties of reason, we can come to understand justice. If we do not have the ability to discern between good and bad, then we can't have self-government anyway. So please spare me these ridiculous ideas that anything Democrats do and anything Republicans do, it's all sort of the same. It's not. These are different things and we have to fight over the issues themselves. And we absolutely need to stop Becerra. You know, these, these moves from the Trump administration are a sort of insurance policy. He's still going to fight in court to try to get a second term, but you need a little bit of an insurance policy. And one insurance policy that I really like is CarShield because you won't get stuck with another high repair bill. CarShield offers affordable protection that can save you thousands on repairs. Whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles, CarShield has a protection plan for everyone. Payments are flexible. Plans are customizable to your exact needs. You can take your car to your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and CarShield gets the rest taken care of. CarShield has helped over 1 million drivers. That's why they are America's number one auto protection company. You know, I, I now live in a place that has weather I didn't before. I I lived in a place that had climate before, but not weather. You know, sometimes there are different things. Things can scratch up your car. Things can get your car into all sorts of trouble. You need repairs. You hit the thing in the road. The thing breaks. You know, listen, I'm obviously not a professional mechanic myself, but I just call them the thing. Drive with confidence like I do, knowing that if anything happens, you're protected. Get coverage today and see why CarShield cars go farther. Visit carshield.com. Use code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to save 10% carshield.com, code Knowles to save 10%. What is that address? It's carshield.com. What's the code? Knowles. A deductible may apply. Now on the public health front, speaking of health and human services, the left is still pushing these ridiculous lockdown orders. I think I have now heard the most coherent pro-argument lockdown from this entire Many months long fiasco. Uh, This comes from a public school teacher. She was driving down the street in her car, and I I felt she articulated this better than just about anybody. Wow. Very persuasive. Very, very persuasive. (laughs) This is who is teaching our students. (laughs) I actually do think it's exactly as persuasive as everything Newsom or Cuomo or any of these other people say. At least she's being honest about how it has no basis in rational thought and it's just purely emotional. Getting back to our prior discussion, there's this silly holdover idea that the the liberal culture, the secular culture, is neutral. It's just neutral, okay? And we can never suggest, we can never impose our views on anybody else, we conservatives. And you know, the left is there, because if we impose our views, then the left is going to impose their views. I think they're imposing them. Pretty sure, that's a public school teacher. I'm pretty sure she's imposing her views. If... Maybe she was having a bad day, but I think that's pretty good evidence of what you're getting in classrooms. And you're seeing this all around the country. It's not just on the stupid lockdown stuff. It's on the 1619 Project, which is being taught all around the country. Anti-historical trash that is designed purely to, to get students to hate their, hate their country. And sometimes conservatives misunderstand this because conservatives, they, they say, look, we want education, not indoctrination. Those words mean basically the same thing. Indoctrination comes from the Latin word docere, which means to teach. You'll occasionally hear people say, we don't teach students what to think. We just want to teach them how to think. That's not possible. All education is coercive. You don't need to look like that crazy teacher, but you do need to teach people things. You can't teach people how to think, unless you teach them what to think. You can't teach people how to think about mathematics unless you teach them the fact that two plus two equals four. And a student might come to you and say, well, I want to believe that two plus two equals five. Well, they, you're not allowed to believe that. You, ha- I have to coerce you to believe that two plus two equals four if I hope to teach you how to think. The left gets this. The left understands that education is coercive. The right needs to get that too. It's not merely enough to say, hey, in addition to your BLM curriculum where you're reading Kendi's stupid book about anti-racism or you're reading the 1619 Project, which is fiction, but that's being presented as history. In addition to that, would you mind reading Shakespeare? It's not enough to say that. You have to say, don't read the 1619 Project. Take it out of the curriculum. Don't read Ibram Kendi's stupid book. Take it out of the curriculum. By the way, you have to do that anyway, because there's only so much time. There are only so many semesters there are only so many days in the week. We've got to get much more serious about that if we want to avoid that teacher shaping the next generation, which is currently happening. Some people are pushing back right now, though. There's a wonderful guy in Staten Island doing that, which we will get to in one second. But I don't know if you've noticed this on my desk. If you're watching this show right now instead of listening to it, this will be the brand new and improved leftist years Tumblr. You can keep those leftist tears hot or cold in a new stainless steel design with a custom daily wire lid. You can see right there, it's got the DW on the lid. Most importantly, all dishwasher safe. I've had these tumblers, obviously, since they were invented, and I've been guzzling leftist tears out of them the entire time. After you use them for a few years, though, those old ones, especially if you put them in the dishwasher, which you weren't supposed to do, but obviously I did anyway, it starts to chip. It doesn't look as good. Now, dishwasher safe. Oh, baby. Join Daily Wire today or upgrade your membership to get yours just in time to enjoy those salty tears. While watching all of our new content, we've got the Prager U library coming to Daily Wire, including my show, the book club at Prager U. We've got Candace Owens getting her very own show early next year. On top of all those great deals, we have the Daily Wire Christmas ornaments. So hang us from your tree. (laughs) Head on over to Daily Wire right now. Subscribe. We'll be right back with a lot more. Some people are pushing back on this stuff. Some people are saying, no screeching leftist teacher in a car. We're not going to acquiesce to your will, especially in my home state of New York. New York gets a bad rap because there are a ton of libs in Manhattan and especially out in Brooklyn these days. There's actually only one borough of New York, which is conservative, and that would be Staten Island. You'll recall, we played this on the show yesterday, Staten Island native Pete Davidson on SNL made fun of business owners and customers who refuse to go along with the lockdowns and lose their their livelihoods and lose their businesses and lose everything that they've worked for, lose their life savings very often. He made fun of them. He said they're babies. They're not manly. Come on, just go sit at home, do whatever the government says. I don't know, go work on Zoom, right? It's classic liberal elite rejoinder to lockdown protests. They say, come on, just go, look, telecommute. Just hop on your Zoom and commute into your job at McKinsey. What's so hard? What? What, you need to leave the house to go to work? What, what is this? The 1850s? Yeah, a lot of people have to leave the house to go to work, buddy. A Staten Island activist, John Tobacco, who actually knows the king of Staten Island, Pete Davidson's father, who died on 9-11. Uh, he came out and he, he did not mince words about this kind of argument about these uh, people who have been hurt by the lockdowns.
1: You have mega millionaires who are on the national spotlight, like the folks on Saturday Night Live. Um, And instead of making fun of their friends and the local business owners who are broke and crushed and bankrupt, instead of coming down here as fellow Staten Islanders and standing up for them and bringing a positive light to this thing, what they wanna do is go on national TV and try to humiliate the little man when he's down. And to me, that's quite disgusting. And as I mentioned before, my dad was a member of the NYPD. The king of Staten Island's dad was a proud fireman and a great friend of mine. And I saw Staten Islanders heavily come out and support him, his mom, his family, and everyone else in a time of need after 9-11 when I cried for his father. So when I hear stuff like this, it hits me emotionally when I think, wow, if you came out of your perch, in your affluent neighborhood, and came down here and told the liberal left this is a good thing because it's about our freedom and liberty, we probably wouldn't be standing here today.
0: Absolutely well put. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Talk about babies. Who do you think's manlier? The liberals scoffing at the lockdown protesters or that guy? (laughs) I would not want to meet that guy in a dark alley in the middle of the night, okay? I would not want to get into a fight with that guy. Obviously, that's the case. I was thinking about 2020. A lot of uh, liberal, wealthy friends of mine have complained about how terrible the year has been. And for them, it has been terrible because they've locked themselves in their homes for no reason for the whole year. They've refused to go do anything. Many of them have canceled weddings. They've canceled their uh, holidays. They canceled Thanksgiving. They're they're not going anywhere. And so they have had a a difficult year, a lonely year. We're a social creature. We're meant to interact with one another that is very difficult. But that is a problem of their own making. The reason they those wealthy liberals have had a bad year is because they have acted in a stupid and foolish way. They could have had a good year. I feel I've had a relatively good year, especially because I got to move out of California, move <laughs> to Tennessee. So now I can breathe the sweet air of freedom again. But I I do feel I've had a pretty good year. There have been difficult moments of it and there have been some hits. Obviously, the economy took a hit for almost everybody. But generally speaking, I've had a decent enough time. Fortunately, Daily Wire has been able to keep a roof over our heads. So that's a good thing, right? All of these wealthy liberals, their their companies are doing fine. NBC is doing fine. SNL is doing fine. So I want to say it's your own fault if you're having a bad year but that's not true for everybody. There are a lot of other people who are having a bad year and it's no fault of theirs whatsoever. A lot of other people are having a bad year because they lost their job because of these policies, pointless, senseless, medically incoherent policies that guys on SNL and in the liberal media are applauding, making fun of us for not cheering on ourselves. Those policies have ruined lives. They've made people die alone They've made people lose relatives and friends, never getting to say goodbye. They've made people not even be allowed to have funerals for their dead loved ones. They've made people push off weddings. They've made people put their lives on hold, often losing what little money they'd scrape together to start a small business. Some people losing their life savings. That's, that's not their fault. That is the fault It it is somebody's fault. It's not only, it's not only the virus's fault. It's not only the Chinese government's fault. It is the fault of Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom and Eric Garcetti and Nancy Pelosi and a lot of these and Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. It is the fault of people who have made specific political decisions that have hurt a lot of people. It might not hurt Pete Davidson, but it's hurt a lot of other people around the country. What's, what's manly? Is it manly to make fun of those people? Ha ha ha? Is it man, no, I don't think so. I think the manly thing to do, the virtuous thing to do is stand up, push back, live your life. Don't live your life in fear and stop these politicians from running roughshod over your lives. Speaking of manliness, you remember this story that became a national news story the other day because a girl kicked a football at a Vanderbilt football game. And this was a huge news story because the Vanderbilt football team is men. But then a woman kicked a football one time during the game. And so that's a huge deal. So Vanderbilt is really playing this up. The whole team is really playing this up. There's now a small little feature that's been produced about this girl kicking the football. And here's what the gal has to say about this historic moment. When I was younger, it used to be an insult. Kids would come up and say, oh, you play like a
2: girl. We are about to witness history in college football.
1: When you see someone else who looks like you, who's lived a life like you, who's had a background like you, you know that I can do that, too.
0: I want to change that narrative and show that like playing a girl is a compliment. It's something you want to strive for. I do not want want to make fun of this girl. It's very nice that she got to kick the football during the game. And I guess it's probably pretty impressive, you know, relatively speaking. How do I put this in a nice way? The fact that this girl kicked a football during a game with boys does not change anything about sports or biology or competition. It doesn't, it doesn't change that at all. This little video begins and says, you know, people used to say, if you kick like a girl, you know, then you're not as strong as if you kick like a boy. But now we're going to change that. No, you won't. Because the boys still kick the ball further. The boys are still better at sports because the boys are physically stronger because the boys are different than the girls. It's not a knock on girls. It's just a fact. We talked about." the story of Karsten Brosch the other day. There was a, they, they, when this kind of issue cropped up in the 90s, there was the battle of the sexes. Venus and Serena Williams said they could beat any man at tennis ranked outside the top 200. So this guy shows up, he was ranked like 203 or something, smokes a pack of cigarettes, drinks a couple beers, plays a round of golf, shows up and he beats the sisters six to one and six to two. Not making fun of the sisters. They're very good female tennis players, but women are physically less strong than men. And it's not going to be helpful to women to pretend and delude them into thinking that they are physically as strong as men. Because if a woman finds herself in a dangerous situation with a man and vastly overestimates her strength, she's not going to be thanking the people who pushed that ridiculous ideology on them. Then, uh, some people from the football team uh, gave us a little insight into the, the moment on the field. Apparently, some of the men on the sidelines, they were so touched and moved, they were crying.
1: There were some people on the sideline tearing up. Like, just the, and then the emotion in the crowd, everybody cheering on, everybody was excited, the entire stadium was electric.
0: The men on the sidelines were crying because a girl kicked the ball? Something tells me they were also crying when the team lost the game 41 to nothing. They lo- that's another inconvenient fact about this great story that they're probably going to make a feature film out of. Now, they lost the game. They didn't get a single point. I, I, it's nice for the girl. It's, we can't we be ni- can we say, oh, that's nice for the girl that she got this opportunity to kick the ball in the men's football game, and not pretend that biology has suddenly been upended, that now <laughs> this is some magnificent advance for the human species, that now women. Now what if if women are as physically strong as men? Th- what that means is when little boys are taught never hit a girl, they can't be taught that anymore, right? Why men and women are exactly the same; they're equally strong. Why not? You're... Men should never hit a girl because women are the gentler sex, weaker sex physically. That all remains true. I think m- these men now might be be a much weaker sex <laughs> than they used to be if they're crying on the sidelines because a girl kicked a football one time. Speaking of tearing up, by the way, there is something far more amiss in our culture than college football. The left has so infiltrated institutions, so hollowed out our most beloved rituals and traditions, that now you have shopping mall Santa Clauses. You know, you bring the kid up and you take a picture, and the kid says what he wants for Christmas. You now have woke shopping mall Santa Clauses telling little boys that he won't get them the presents that they want because they're not politically correct. Uh, Kid's sitting there saying this across the table because I guess social distancing now. You
2: don't know.
0: He doesn't know what he wants. What do you want? Come on, kid.
2: What? No, I, no, no guns. He
0: said he wants a Nerf gun. No,
2: not even a Nerf gun. Now, you if, you, you, if your dad wants to get it for you, that's fine, but I can't bring it to you. But well, what else would you like? There's lots of other toys. There's Legos. What? There's bicycles. Oh God, the There's cars. And
0: Santa tells the kid he won't get the kid a Nerf gun? It's not even a BB gun like in that movie. Go shoot your eye out, kid. What do you think? It's a Nerf gun. If it shoots someone point blank with a Nerf gun, you it's not going to do anything.
2: Your
0: dad? Now the kid starts to cry because Santa Claus told him he can't get the one toy he wants. What a sicko this guy is. Don't cry. Don't cry. I can make a donation in your name to Planned Parenthood. Come on, I'll get you what every kid wants. I'll get you a Biden-Harris bumper sticker. And the kid's crying. I love that mother. I love that. Yeah, you'll still get it. Don't, don't worry, we're still going to get you the gun because this schmucky Santa Claus over here. First of all, the San- that Santa Claus isn't going to bring the kid anything because that Santa Claus is a guy working a seasonal job at a a shopping mall. If that guy shows up at this woman's house, the police are going to get called. But he can't even say, okay, Johnny, sure, we'll get you a Nerf gun this year. No. He says, no, we can't do that. Because if, look, if you get a Nerf gun, then that means you'll have some fun and you can't have any fun. (laughs) We're not allowed to do that anymore. But also then one day you might want to have a real gun, Which means that you might exercise your Second Amendment rights. And we can't have that because, you know, we because the Constitution, that's not that's not in the spirit of holiday cheer. So sorry, Johnny, you're getting cold this year. What a sicko. Who does this? Who allows a political ideology to so warp their mind and soul that they take a job as a mall store Santa Claus and make a little kid cry at Christmas? Now, of course, this is, this is the defining feature of political correctness. Political correctness seeks to upend every old standard, every old tradition, every old institution. It seeks, in Marx's words, the ruthless criticism of all that exists. You often hear political correctness described in the same breath as critical theory, which is an sort of academic field that developed in the 20th century. Well, what's the th- the theory is to criticize. That's critical theory in a nutshell, is to criticize everything. And it derives from this idea that you have to ruthlessly criticize all that exists, including these beloved holiday traditions. A joyless leftist scold does not know the time and place and does not know his place, does not know his job, does not have a sense of his duty, which is to go and make the kid feel good and take a picture at Christmas. That is a a total inversion of the way things ought to be. And it's a glimpse of the future under political correctness. You know, we've had a very lovely four years that were that was a break from political correctness. Trump in many ways launched his campaign against political correctness. He said that. He said I don't have time for political correctness. Political correctness is absolutely killing this country. And the possible election of Joe Biden, I guess we'll soon find out, is not the election of some new vision for the country. It's just a return to that politically correct corrosive movement that is slowly decaying every single thing that we like in this country. And often it doesn't even matter who gets elected. It just, for some reason, it keeps running its course through the culture. That sort of stuff is at stake. Joe Biden is not going to know what end is up if he becomes president. But all those joyless leftists, those bureaucrats, those radicals that he's already talking about appointing to his cabinet, all those people are going to be shaping our country. And they can have an outsized effect. And so we hold out hope. We wait to hear from the Supreme Court. Hope springs eternal in the human breast. And we'll know a lot more tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you then. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens, supervising producers Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, production manager Pavel Vidovsky, editor and associate producer Danny D'Amico, audio mixer Mike Coromino. Hair and Makeup by Nika Geneva, and production assistant, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture, because culture drives politics, and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental, and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen.